Hi, this is Pastor Rick. Glad you're with me today. You know, I'm a big fan of On Demand because you get the Word of God in your hand when you want it, I always say. Today we talk about fathers. Fathering is a very powerful job, very important job. And sometimes the key is the father must learn how to father, if I can be redundant, in the right direction. So the sermon's called Fathering in the Right Direction. Sometimes we go wrong and sometimes we go right. I want to show you how you can go in the right direction, make some incredible decisions, and it's going to be just a great journey. So stay right there. It's going to be fun in just a minute. Enjoy today's message. And if you know a father who needs this, link and send it to him. Well, welcome back. Glad you're with us today on Father's Day. This is an, a great study. I love, love, love talking about what we're going to discuss today because I'm a father. I'm a father of two children and two grandchildren. That's a total of four so far. And I am proud to be. I hope you get a copy of the notes. You can see it right there. It comes up on your screen. You can get a copy of the sermon notes. It's a way to help you. And you can follow me along and you can also send it and link it and send it to a friend. Look at the book of Ephesians chapter six. And I want to read verse one and through verse four. Listen to what it says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may, be, may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, verse 4, do not exasperate or frustrate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. I have always found this verse to be fascinating because it gives some simple advice that can be life-changing. It shows a father how to father in the right direction. It says these are the things you have to do. Number one, you have to be a person who doesn't frustrate your children. You have to be a person whose goal as a father in verse four is not to cause them anguish and pain. We have great influence as fathers, and I think it's important to see that. It's important to see that you can make a huge difference or a huge contribution, or you can become a very difficult person a very hard person to follow because for you it's all about authority and taking charge and giving out commands and being, being the guy who makes people listen. And some people believe that's their role as a father. We're going to show you in the New Testament that that was the view of some religious leaders. The way that they would father the nation spiritually was not productive. And I want to say the goal of this message is to help you not do that. The goal of the message is to help you focus as a father on what works and to get away from what doesn't work. So let me take you to Matthew chapter 15, and I want to take you down a road, and I want to ask you a question first, and then I want to show you some guys who I think got it wrong so you can get it right. I want to say it again. I want to show you some people who got it wrong so you can get it right now. Let me stop and say this. Women, I can hear you thinking, saying, oh, well, I don't have a dad in the house, and I don't have a man. What can I do? I, yeah, I don't know that fathering is just about being a guy. I think it's about assignments. There are things that there's no guy present to do that you have to do. Sometimes if the woman's not present, the guy has to do it. Some of you single fathers, you know, their mom's not there. She, you know, something came about, a circumstance where you're now in charge. And so I think you have to learn how to do all the roles. And I think there's a way you do it. Now, I'm, I, again, you, I'm not saying you can replace a mother or replace a father in terms of you becoming who they could have been. There is unique blessing in male and female, father and, and mother sharing uh, according to the scripture. And I want to just say to you, that is the biblical model. It's father and mother. It's, that's, that's the model. That is the, that is the tone. And that, that, that's not to, to 
throw shade on those who are living in another circumstance. I'm simply saying there is a role that fathers play. And fathering requires uh, an awareness of what that means. Now, spiritually, I think there are people who are called to father a nation. And in our study in Matthew chapter 15, you're going to see that. And you're going to see some spiritual fathers make some decisions that take the nation in the wrong direction. And I want to use that to parallel with your responsibility as a father in your home. But let me begin with the question, how are you fathered? If you go back in your life and you were asked the question about how you were handled and fathered, what would you say? Was it fair? Was, were you treated nicely? Were you given a voice? Were you not given a voice? Were you dominated, abused? What would be your testimony? That affects your view of fathering. And I get that. I, I get the fact that it can go wrong. Now, history tells us and biology tells us that religion and religion tells us that that fathers matter. I want you to note, I put in, if you get the sermon notes, uh, I want you to note in the footnote, I put a article there that defines uh, that more clearly for you. It gives you a list of statistical facts that show you the role of a father. Uh, if you don't have a father, you're more likely to go to prison. If you don't have a father, you're more likely to have him be in poverty. If you don't have a father, it's a long list. Um, you tend to not do as well in school. There are a lot of things that fathers bring. And again, this is not just to demean, diminish mothers. I want you to just hang with me, ladies, for a minute. This is just simply saying it is true. So if you look at um, uh, the sermon notes, and there's a, a, some, some, I put some links in there to show you uh, examples. And, and you can pull the notes up. There you go, aim your camera, click. There you go, and you can get those notes. Look, hit the link and go to that, those examples because it's, it's a long, long list of, of items that prove that fathers have value. But let me go further and say this. Part of the challenge is, though, when you have uh, a, a father who has accepted a cultural assumption that his role or her role is not important, they've come to a cultural assumption, and that cultural assumption is not correct. You are valuable. And what you don't want is to create a culture that says you're not valuable because then you will end up fathering in the wrong direction. You'll be absent. You won't be present. Your presence is, boy, my wife said this years ago. She says, Rick, I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned to lose you to your success than your failure. She says, I, I want you, you to be a present father. I need you to be a present husband, not just some guy traveling around the world trying to save everybody else. So look with me at Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. Let's jump into this real quick. It says, these people honor me. And this is Jesus talking about the religious leaders of the day. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And I want you to think about that for a second, because that is basically what they do. They teach for doctrine. They teach the rules of men. They teach for doctrine, the things that they say. And I want you to hear this. It's so easy to do that. It's so fundamentally easy for you to become a person who functions and lives in a culture that is not really genuine. It's fake. Now, Jesus is talking about religious fathers in this context. He's talking about people who were leading the nation. And he says, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far, far from me. I believe you can, as a leader, father, spiritual leader, become a person who says things, but in reality, that's not where your heart is. The word culture is interesting. Um, 
It is a word that describes how this happens. How do you become a person who says things you don't mean? How do you become a person who's appearing to be close, but your heart's someplace else? You can develop this by allowing a culture of, of isolation and separatism to step in. So you don't know it, but you're cultivating. That's what the word culture means. It, the root word has to do with cultivation of the soil. So a person cultivates and, and builds into their life a, a way. I've watched fathers do this a lot. You know, uh, let your mama do that. Let your mama do that. Now that's built into the soil. You cultivate a go to your mama thing. You're not engaged in anything, games, fun. You're not engaged financially. You're not engaged in their education. You cultivate, and that's what culture is. It's, it's what you build into the soil. It's from an early word. It's used in the early 16th century that has to do with, with, with planting something. So what, are you, what kind of culture have you planted? He said the culture they planted was they honor with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship in vain. The teachings... And one, I think the version we had up on the screen a minute ago, for doctrine, we teach for doctrine, the traditions of men. It's all about the, uh, the New King James says it this way. Yeah, it said, there it goes. It says, uh, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules for doctrines of men. New King James, I love it. There is a tendency, if you're not careful, to build that into the soil of your life. And that's how you father. And you father from a distance. And you feel safe from a distance. And I think that's not the plan, nor is that God's best for you. And there's seven signs I want to discuss in this text that I describe good fathering. And if you take what he says and switch it around, because in, in the text he says this is bad, but let's switch it around and talk about it being good. Here's what can be good. First of all, notice the word honor, verse 8. Then he says the word truth, the word heart, the word worship, the word vanity, the word teaching. All of these and then rules. If you take this, these verse 8 and verse 9 and say, okay, he told the Pharisees these things were bad, right? There's the verse again. Now let's turn this verse around and, and say, okay, what does good fathering look like? Here's where we go. Number one, fathering with honor is a good thing. Because he tells them, the problem is you honor me. Fathering with honor is a good thing. Honor is a great thing. That means you can be trusted. You're the kind of guy that can be trusted. Secondly, fathering with truth. He talks about truth in the verse. So a, a father who's going to do this in the right way, a leader, whether it be spiritual or natural, if, if, you're, if you're a person who honors, if you're a person who's truthful, if you're a person who has a pure heart, he says, which means you think right, your, your motivations are right. You're not just saying stuff. You're really engaged. Now, I want to stop and say these three things again. Going in the right direction as a father is tied to you approaching seven things correctly. If you get these seven things wrong, you won't father in the right direction. The first one is honor. The second one is truth. You are reliable. Third one is pure heart. You're, you're, you're the, if I were to analyze your intentions, your motive, you think right. You're thinking in the right direction as a father. The spiritual leaders in Jesus' day were not. That's what Matthew 15 is about. He's talking to the Pharisees, the spiritual leaders of the day. They were the fathers, the ones that people went to for guidance. The same way that a natural father does. So a natural father can look at the, the bad fathering habits of the Pharisees and say, okay, I don't want to lead that way. 
My job is to not exasperate and frustrate, as I said in Ephesians chapter 6 when we started. My job is to be a good example. Well, let me show you a bad example, Jesus says, and I want you to not be like them. I want you to be a person who's honorable, truthful, pure in heart. Fourthly, who worships. I love this. Fathering with, with, with the right worship attitude. Verse 9 says, they worship me in vain. Worship is not right. So in their lives, I want you to think about this. If you don't intimately relate to God as a father, it will become obvious to those who interact with you. Your carnality, your, 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 your language, all of that will become obvious to people. This is not a father that I can follow. We'll see the more of that in a minute. But look with me at the next thing he says. Fathering without vanity. You're not living just for yourself. You want a father in the right direction. Here we go. Number one, you got to be a father who honors. Number two, you got to be a father who speaks the truth. Number three, you got to be a father who has the right heart. You're, you're, you're thinking right. Your motives are right. Number four, you're a worshiper. You honor God. There's something about being intimately connected to God and then leading from that place. If you're not a father who worships, and I'm not just talking about singing, by the way. I'm not talking about going to church and lifting your hands up and singing and crying. That's not worship. That's part of worship. Worship has to do with an intimate relationship with God. It means to embrace, it's the idea of embracing him. If you are not an embracer of God, how are you going to father in the right direction? What, what, what's, your, what's your source of wisdom and grace to do that? So fathers must not only be honorable, truthful, have right hearts, worshipers, but they can't be vain. It can't just be about you. It can't just be about what you provide and what you give. It's got to be more than that. To father in the right direction, you can't be a vain person. And then number six, you have to be a teaching person, fathering with teaching, not lecturing. And you teach with your life. I love this verse in John chapter one, verse four. He says, in him was life and the life that was in him in John chapter one, verse four, St. John was the light of all men. The greatest thing I can ever do in my fathering role is to be an example in my life, in the moral choices I make. That's what is the greatest light to my family. So if I'm going to be a good father, I have to understand the weight of that reality and the weight of that, 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 that decision. And then number seven, which is so important, I have to father uh, with rules, boundaries. I can't just do anything I want. So he said in Matthew 23, I love this verse, verse three. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. Jesus said everything these Pharisees, these spiritual fathers tell you, you do what they tell you, but do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. Matthew 23 and three. They do not practice what they preach. So if you're going to be a great father, you have to be a person who lives what you say. If let this be your focus. And if you don't live what you say, it's hard to lead people to the right place. Now, I want to stop here and say that is what a good father does. One more time. You ready? He's honorable. Tells the truth, right? His heart's pure. He worships. He, he doesn't live vainly. He teaches not just in words, but in his life. He understands boundaries and rules. This, that's what you're supposed to be. Now, when I, when I put all this together, I thought, man, that is like, you know, you're sitting there listening to this. And you're going, boy, that's who you're on my toes, Pastor Rick. 
Man, you're right. That's what I, I'm not looking. Oh, man, I'm not honorable, man. I'm, I, I can hardly be trusted. I, I tell the truth when it's safe for me. I, um, my heart, nah, I ain't going to tell nobody my heart. You know, I'm a, I'm a man. I'm not going to share all my heart now. My wife's always asking me, what's on your mind? I ain't going to tell her because she don't want to know what's on my heart, all kind of crazy stuff. You know, and as far as worship, I don't know. What do you mean? Sing? What are you talking about? I, okay, I kind of kind of maybe get that a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I ain't holding no hands now. That's why I'm hollering to go to church. They want you to hold hands, get in circles and all that kind of stuff. Um, as far as vanity, what do you mean it's not about me? It's supposed to be about me. I'm, I'm working. I'm the one bringing in the bread in the house, you know, and so it's my, it's my house. I'm the man of this house. What do you mean don't be vain? And the rules, yeah, I establish all the rules, right? <laughs> I know I just took that verse and swung it back around, but I want you to think with me for a minute. You heard me say it first and say these are seven signs of good fathering and some of you are listening to it so well, I know I missed three or four of those three or four of those I'm off on so here I got a statement I want to write I wrote for you I want you to listen to this listen to what I wrote down let these be goals and not judgments of your value men are often victims of performance based insecurity they judge themselves by their performance and feel insecure if they're not perfect this is a trap all fathers must try to avoid. Do the best you can and love the best you can. Let the words of Jesus and the admonition of Paul be your goal. Let me stop you and say it again. I understand that everything I listed here is perfectly wonderful. You should strive to be a man of honor, strive to be truthful, strive to be, have your heart right, strive to be a worshiper, strive to not be vain, strive to be a teacher, strive to obey the rules, strive, strive, strive. But the problem is, if we're honest, you've not been perfect at it. And because you haven't been perfect at it, a father can carry a lot of guilt because he can go back in his life and say, I remember when I wasn't, quote, honorable. I can remember when I wasn't truthful. I can remember, I can remember when it was all about me. I can look back and see dark days in my fathering. I did not father my family in the right direction. I went in the wrong direction. And because of that, I carry this weight, especially when I'm alone and the room is quiet and I think back to where I was, I failed here or there, or I failed this child or that child. And there are moments when you stand over your child's body who's died and gone and you think, I failed them. If I had been a better father or a better mother. And it's, let me tell you, it's horrible. You feel bad. And I'm telling you, that's why I said you get what I call, well, it was not what I call, is a term for, called performance-based self-esteem. You, your whole self-esteem is based on the perfection of your performance. And church people can drive it home in you, boy. You ain't doing right. You know, you ain't honoring God. You know, you ain't, and you, you, you just keep, all you can hear is what I ain't. Excuse my ain'ts. And so you get lost in that. And so this sermon that you just heard me work through, you're braced to be reminded of what's wrong with you. Let me help you. God already knows what's wrong with you. He knows that you are not going to get this right. He knows that you're going to fail and drop the ball. He knew before the foundations of the world. And that's what makes him so powerful because he loves you anyway. Are you trying to justify bad fathering? No, I'm trying to tell you that it's not always perfect. And you can't live in the past. What you can commit to is something that Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can set new goals and new targets. 
admit that, okay, I didn't make that list. The list you just read out, Pastor Rick, I struggled through quite a bit of those things. But I now understand the value of this message in this moment. Because now I'll try maybe jumping on the new list. And the new list is pretty, pretty powerful too. Because here's what it says, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. Does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and it never, ever fails. So let me just highlight a few words in that one. When you feel that you haven't been the father you need to be, maybe now it's time to say, okay, I confess that, but now let me make this my new goal. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to become a patient person. I'm going to become a kinder person. I'm going to become a person who is not envious. I'm not going to compete with my kids. When they talk about their success, I won't brag about mine to try to one-ups them. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make sure that I am not a boasting person. I'm going to make sure I don't dishonor them, dishonor their kids, dishonor. I don't want to, I don't want to do that to anybody. It's not going to be, I'm not going to be self-seeking. I'm not going to be, here's a big one for fathers, angered. Angered because you weren't honored enough or angered because you weren't given the right position. What I want to be is a person who keeps no record of wrong, he says. <laughs> then in verse 5, 6, he says, I don't want to delight in evil. I want to celebrate stuff that's going in the wrong direction. I want to rejoice in the truth. That's my fatherly goal. I want to always protect, always trust, always hope, always persevere. Verse 8, I want to never fail. I want to never fail. Now, I want to say this to you. I want you to hear me, guys. Ladies, you listen to. Fathering in the right direction is not easy. Getting it right in your own life can be difficult. But once you get there, or at least get going in the right direction, God's going to be there with you to help you be a kind person, a patient person. He's going to help you with it, but you got to open your heart. The, the, the biggest difference in my life is God's presence. I will never be able to love the way he described in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 5, 8, rather, without his help. I will never be able to obey Matthew 15, 8 through 9. I will be like the Pharisees if I'm not careful. Here's what I will be like. I will honor with my lips, but my heart will be far from him. And I will, I will worship in vain, and I will teach my own human rules and doctrines, and I'll be my own father in my own flesh, and I will not allow God to have a place. But if I open my heart and can say, God, I can't do this without you. And let me just say this to you, parents, period. You can't do it without him. At some stages in your kid's life, you can only watch and pray. You do not have the power to influence or change their direction. All you can do is watch and pray. And in those moments, you have to trust that God's with you. See, here's what I believe. I can bring my imperfection to God, my mistakes to God, and he'll heal me and help me but I have to bring them to him. I believe that in this culture, we need more people to build something different in the soil. 
We need them to plant something different so that we can have a better outcome. When you look at your life, Father, and you say, well, I didn't do it right, Pastor, for a long time. That's okay. The soil is still beneath your feet. Glory to God. There's still dirt underneath you. You can still get a shovel and plant something new. You might not have got it right the first time, but you can get it right now. You may not have all the advantages, mama, that you want to have in your life. You may not have a man in your house, but you got soil beneath your feet. You can get you a shovel and you can dig something and dig and plant something new. You can say, I'm going to plant some love, some kindness and patience that Pastor Rick talked about. I'm going to plant what he said would be a good thing. I'm going to make sure that's what I do. In this series that I've been in, my goal is to talk about wrong directions. In the first sermon, I talked about bad examples, and I showed you how the Pharisees were bad examples. Then we talked about bad advice, that sometimes people talk to you and they give you bad advice and you make bad decisions. Then we talked about now fathering and how fathering in the right direction can make a real, real difference. Next time, we're going to talk about priorities. All this can work together in your life if I can get you to readjust your priorities. What should go first in your life? What's the most important thing in your life? For me as a father, it is being a man of integrity, being honest with myself and honest with my God and honest with those people that I interact with. And anything on this list that I read to you today that's not perfect in my life, I want to say, God, I see that. I see this. I need your help with that. And I want to come to him and lift my heart and my hands to him and say, now I worship you privately and personally, and I ask you to help me as a man become all that I need to be so that I can be a good father leading those that I lead, whether it be spiritual, whether I be a boss, some of your bosses, you're over companies, and you're fathering that company and you're taking those people down a road. You want to pray, Father, help me have the right spirit. Help me be patient and kind, all the things we talked about today so that I can make a real difference in the world in which I lead. Now, Lord, I pray that what we've talked about today will become a priority in their mind. May the Holy Spirit bring grace and, and clarity to their hearts and mind. And may they say, I get it. I see the need to prioritize my life in different ways, to come to different approaches, and to allow the Holy Spirit to guide me to a new place. May this be a moment of breakthrough for us. May this be a moment when I look at my life and say, Jesus, help me. Help me see myself. Help me aim in the right direction. And I give you all the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name. I pray these 26, 7 minutes have been helpful to you. I pray that what we've talked about today would help you rethink your direction. And fathers, I hope you feel better. I hope you say, man, on the front of that, you had me thinking, boy, I sure have a long way to go. But you helped me see in the middle that no one's perfect, that every father has grown through, and I can now have new goals. I want to be more patient, more kind, more loving. And may God give you the courage to set new priorities so that this is possible. And let me say this as I close. None of what I said today will work if you don't set new priorities. That's why next week's message is so important. So we're going to talk about that. The idea of having the right priorities. What goes first in your life? What should you focus on? And I want you to think about that. It's going to be a great time. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray that God would help you especially if you're watching today and you say, Pastor, my issue is my walk with God. I realize that I haven't been serving God, so I want you to pray for me. I want this to be the moment that I give my life to Christ. 
the moment that I right here, wherever you are, I want you to say, I want to give my life to Christ. Let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that the hand of God would be upon your people today who don't know you, who've not been walking with you. May they commit their lives to trust you. May they commit their lives to walk with you. And I pray there would be this transforming moment. And I thank you and I give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Next week, we're going to talk about priorities, my friend. Make sure you're there. It's a priority for you right now. If you prayed that prayer with me, to click on that button and say, yeah, I give my life to Christ. I, I join you in prayer, Pastor Rick. I realize that I need to surrender my life. And I want you to know we care about you and we want to join you and pray with you and help you find, find God's grace. You may never come to our church. I hope you do. But if you never come, it's okay. I want you to meet Christ. He's the one who can save your life. And also want to encourage you, if you have a prayer need, something you, you, you want to email me, email me at pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. That's pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. And remember, we gather every first and second Sunday live here on our campus at 9 and 11 o'clock. This Sunday in particular, there's a Father's Day special service live. Come in person at 11 o'clock if you like. And you can get out. You got time to get up and come on out. That's going to be at 11 o'clock. Service about an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes long. It doesn't kick you all day. But I want you to feel free to get up and come. Bring your family with you. It'll be fun to have you. 9700 Middle Ground Road. Love to shake your hand. Love to get to see you. That's every first, though, and second Sundays, our normal Sundays in the building. Third and fourth is normally digital. And on special Sundays like this, special third Sundays when we have Father's Day. Last month we had a, a special Mother's Day service. Today we have a special Father's Day service. So that's special. And then I want you to look for all the wonderful events we have for kids and children, youth, college age. We have a lot of things going on. We believe in touching the entire family. We call ourselves Overcoming by Faith, the place for the total family. So God bless you. Thank you for reaching out. Again, email me if you have a question. Pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Well, I pray you were blessed by today's message. You know, I want to talk to you fathers and say the Bible says that we're to honor fathers, but it also says fathers are not to exasperate, frustrate their children. And sometimes we can really cause more pain than we want to. But the goal is for you to learn to father in the right direction. The Pharisees didn't do that. They fathered spiritually in the wrong direction. They show us what not to do as fathers. They show us how to be inconsistent. And that's not what we want to be as a father. We want to be consistent, reliable, and not just religious. Some fathers are very spiritual, very religious, love to preach to the family. But that's not our goal. Our goal is to be an example, an embracer of the family. So I want to pray for you today and pray this will help you as a father be the kind of father you need to be. Let's pray. Father, bless the sermon. May it inspire people to be the best father they can be. If they've been victimized by a father, help them to step over that and trust God for the future, knowing that their heavenly father will never do what their natural father did to them or, or overlook them. I pray that you'd help fathers who feel guilty because they didn't connect with their kids like they should have. And I pray this could be a new beginning. And I give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. I've enjoyed being with you. I pastor in Savannah, Georgia, at Overcoming by Faith Church. And I'm proud that you joined us today. See you next time. We got more to talk about on demand. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.